The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the keynote by CNBC Events. I'm Sharon Epperson. On this podcast, we bring you in-depth, candid conversations with CEOs, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders recorded at CNBC's live events. Today, you'll hear from Julie Sweet, the CEO of Accenture, Alex Liu, chairman of Carney, a global management consulting firm, and David Rawlinson, CEO of Nielsen Global Connect. They joined me at CNBC's Inclusion in Action Forum on September 10th, 2020. We talked about putting words into action, how business leaders can turn good intentions and heartfelt pledges to increase diversity into practices that will actually create more inclusive and equitable workplaces. Here's our conversation. There's certainly been plenty of data out there that shows how important it is in terms of the business case and the financial benefit of having ethnic and cultural diversity in the workplace, how it will increase profitability. But yet, there still seems to be a struggle with some leaders in some companies of advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion. David Rawlinson, let me start with you. Are we being successful in making the case in the way that we're doing it? Should we be looking at other data, not just internal perhaps, but looking externally as to why this needs to be done? Yeah, I I don't think we've uh, done a sufficient job of making the case, even though the data is available. We know that, for example, black consumers are about $1.4 trillion in purchasing power, and we know that that's going to $1.8 trillion in purchasing power, and we still haven't seen uh, the numbers move really um, we've had a, a black president. We've, we've had um, lots of demonstrations that when the black community makes choices in terms of how they consume, they move the needle for companies. We've had companies really embrace the idea of diversity and inclusion and put into place um, chief diversity officers and DNI departments. But we're still looking at a world where uh, the numbers on boards haven't moved. There are fewer black CEOs than there used to be. Uh, black wealth is still a fraction of white wealth in this country. Black children are more than three times uh, more likely uh, to grow up in poverty uh, than are white children. And so there's a persistent gap between uh, what we know in the data, what companies should be acting upon, and the results we're able to see in the world, which suggests to me that somewhere the narrative isn't being fully told, and we're going to have to reshape, uh, reform, uh, and then uh, tell a new narrative to be able to get people to totally buy in. I don't think it's working. Yeah. Julie Sweet, you know, there are narratives out there that we may not be hearing, but there are initiatives out there that are being put into place that seem to also be missing the mark. They're trying to do better, but yet they're not. What is missing in many DNI initiatives today? Uh, well, you know, I think one of the most important things that uh, we have found uh, is missing and that was really critical for the progress we've made uh, is to treat DNI as a business priority. So you just talked about the importance of data, uh, but uh, it's more than data, right? If something is important uh, in business, you know, you have goals. 
you have accountable leaders, you have an execution plan, you measure progress, uh, you set those goals and execution plan, you measure that progress around data. And it's in some ways, it's incredibly simple. And yet, um, what we've seen, and we've done a lot of research across different areas of diversity, is that a lot of times there's a commitment, and there's a lot of things put in place, but there aren't the basics of, uh, of what you would do for any other business priority. And, uh, you know, we really have treated this at Accenture, and we have tons more to go, a long way to go, but um, we treated this as a business priority uh, and becoming more inclusive and diverse back in 2014 when we really doubled down when we were trying to transform our company and really felt that the only way to do that was to become more diverse because we were trying to be innovation-led. And, uh, you know, we think we're a perfect example of, how diversity fuels business growth. But how do you institute that rigor? You pointed out that, you know, many people do not, many companies are not using the same tools that they use to evaluate other goals and other business imperatives when it comes to diversity. What is the rigor that needs to be in place for DNI initiatives, Julie? Well, first of all, it starts with the CEO and um, making sure that when we set the goals that we have, we have the same rigor in terms of requiring goals, execution plan and measure, and that you do that at the leadership table. The second thing is what you measure your leaders on. Uh, you know, when I uh, ask my leaders uh, for their self-assessments, there are two things that um, every leader has to give me, their personal impact on inclusion and diversity and their personal impact at clients, sort of two critical things to our business success. I've been the CEO for a year. I took that from our prior CEO who really led this doubling down back in 2014 when we uh, first created digital and we wanted to really rotate our company. Uh, and it is uh, it's really critical. So I start with two, those two things. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. I want to go to you, David, in talking a little bit about uh, going into what Julie mentioned about she was following the prior CEO in terms of some of the initiatives she was putting in place in diversity when she became CEO a year ago. That iconic CEO, though, there are many out there that want to seem like they're the ones who came up with the idea, who are going to be the first and the best in advancing these initiatives or any initiatives, therefore, in the company. How much of a detriment is it to focus on an iconic CEO in advancing initiatives? How important is it to make it more of an inclusive endeavor at the very top levels? Yeah, I think it's incredibly important. I've talked about the fallacy of the hero CEO, where we find a couple of great examples of CEOs who are acting powerfully on these topics. And if the CEO acts powerfully and makes it a top priority, the numbers will move. The question is, what happens when that CEO moves on? And how many other companies are going to be willing to follow that hero CEO so that it actually has a systemic effect? 
I am doubtful um, that uh, simply having a few hero CEOs has the type of effects that we need. I think we need to use this moment um, when the pressure is still on and people are still listening. We need to use this moment to get on a different path where we see the difference that we aspire to. And I think the only way to get there is to do things that feel more sustainable, more systemic, and um, uh, to put into place actions that go much deeper in the organization. It has to start from the top. It has to be enforced from the top. But ultimately, it has to be adopted and passionately believed by people throughout the organization. And for us, it really ties right back to leadership. Uh, At Nielsen, we know that we need great leaders, and great leaders can lead everyone. And if you're not showing that you're able to hire everyone, if you're not showing that you're able to manage everyone, if you're not showing that you're able to promote everyone, then that probably means you're not a great leader, and that may mean that you're not for us. Exactly. Let me talk to you, Alex, in terms of the baby step approach, we're making progress, and the approach of leapfrogging ahead. Explain what you mean by that. I mean, it's pretty clear we have to change the game. And I would point out maybe four imperatives or interventions that are needed to actually get to the change that we want. First intervention is the programs and solutions have to be black specific. They can't be lost in the broader diversity and inclusion agenda uh, for underrepresented minorities are all important, but to get, you need fit for purpose solutions. So I, the best quote I heard is Ron Parker's very elegant. What's black about it. And if it's talent development, in our case, you know, we have immersion programs and early outreach to folks that are just understanding what jobs are like, what consulting could be like. We have informal um, networking and boards of directors for mid-level black executives. And we have offers you know, for ventures and, supplier development academies for that particular group. I have a reverse mentor who is a black woman professional who is keeping me real time and regularly updated on what I can do to do better on the black solutions and programs. So the first intervention is what's black about it. The second intervention to get to the promised land is what's white about support. How do, how white can the engagement, the allyship be? Because these programs for change won't happen if it's black, uh, community solving it with black solutions. It has to be designed and accepted by the broader population in the workforce to get that workforce justice. I think what's important is in winning the hearts and minds, and we saw a lot of that over the last few months, is to actually operationalize that in encouraging, with the leadership mantle, real, raw, courageous conversations in the workplace. These can be externally facilitated. They can be self-moderated. They can be global. We had our South African colleagues talk about the outrage, criminality, and then the atonement and reconciliation of the apartheid examples. So having those conversations are really key. So linking the black solutions with the broader outreach to the the bigger bell curve within the organization. The other two interventions I think have been spoken about, I fully believe, you've got to make it personal. It is about leadership commitment. People want authentic, real-time commitment. They want to know your belief system, how you've got to be who you are. I think stories matter, and I've heard a number of very inspiring stories today and obviously in the last several months. I mean, obviously, I'm an immigrant minority, and I grew up in the Deep South. My dad was a professor in HBCUs for 30, 40 years. Great universities, great students, great teachers, but underpaid, under-resourced. I've experienced all sorts of 
racial discrimination, conscious, unconscious bias, even in the hallowed halls of consulting, by the way. Um, but I've also had great support, mentors, coaches, and teachers, mostly white males, by the way, also. And I've, you know, I've been racially profiled. I've had guns on me in California in this century. So the key is to actually be real, tell the stories, and, and indicate why your belief system is going to make sure this happens. And finally, I think Julie hit upon this very, very well. It's about embracing the targets and also having the right governance over the targets because they need to be ambitious. They need to be holistic. They need to be smart. You've heard the acronym specific, measurable, accountable, relevant, and time-bound. It has to do all that, but you have to have the people that are saying, well, who decides those targets? Uh, we are a private partnership. We have elected board of directors, but the new chairman of our people development and compensation committee is a female black partner. She's going to hold me accountable. I want to embrace those targets, and I believe me, I've known her for 20 years. If I don't deliver and the leadership team doesn't deliver, I'm going to get roasted. And I want to be roasted. I want to be held accountable. So I trust the next generation for this. I mean, it's not just a sprint because of the urgency, and it's not a marathon just because of the perseverance. It has to be a relay race. But I think these four interventions on tone, agenda, pace, and governance and the right ambitious targets will help overcome uh, the problems that we had and get to a leapfrog status, hopefully. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And when you're talking about measuring success, Julie, and you did lay out some very concrete steps to take, once you've done that and, and measured it, who's accountable? Who is holding the CEO accountable or who should be holding the CEO accountable to make sure that these measurements are meeting the targets that you've said that you want them to meet? Um, is it an outside organization that, that also works with you? Is it your board? Um, is it other leaders uh, in the C-suite? Who holds you accountable? There's a few different ways uh, that we think are important. So first of all, our board um, is absolutely committed to our goals and inclusion and diversity, and they hold me accountable. And we have a board that uh, is 36% diverse. We have two black directors. Uh, this has been a focus for many, many years of our board. But second, and I think what's really important both to hold accountable and also, as Alex said, to get the hearts and minds of people, and as David said, this can't be just a CEO, and that's about transparency. We have transparency both within Accenture and outside Accenture. In 2015, we became the first professional services company to publish all of our demographics around blacks, and not together, it's blacks, Latinx veterans, persons with disabilities, and women, and it was at both the overall representation and the executive level. 
And we publish that for two reasons. One, transparency builds trust, right? You will get people to come, even when your numbers aren't great. We didn't publish them because we had great numbers. We published them because we wanted people to believe that we were serious and that we were willing to hold ourselves accountable by publishing them externally. We've done the same thing when we decided, as David said, we need to take this as a moment for change, as we said we were going to set external goals. We've been setting them internally to uh, double our number of managing directors and increase by 60% our Blacks and Latinx um, employees uh, by 2025. And we have made big progress since 2015, but it's still too slow. And by setting those goals and making them external, we're holding ourselves accountable. And I always say to the media, hold us accountable. Like, you know, when we are talking about this commitment, come back and see what we're doing. And the final thing I would just say is, you know, David and Alex and I have so many similarities in what we're saying and what we believe in. And so I would say if you're beginning on the journey or if you're farther along as well, is make sure that you don't reinvent the wheel. You know, uh, Alex mentioned Ron Parker. He helped me in 2016 have our first conversation um, about race in the workplace. He was the CEO of the Executive Leadership Council. Uh, if you're starting, you'll see the ELC just published great, um, you know, guide where a framework for CEOs who are really beginning on this journey. There are lots of organizations and organizations like the ones, you know, you're talking to today that we're willing to share and uh, and share what we're doing because this is something that we solve better together. I was just going to add another point on Excellent. the metrics. David, I have one quick question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Alex. No, I was going to say there's one other add-on on the metrics the metrics and transparency point. It's also important also to measure the employee engagement. Um, do they belong? Do they have a sense of inclusion? Do they see there's progress? And actually at, asking the bottom-up metrics, we do the same thing. There's external targets. There's internal measurements. And we publish those and we discuss them. We use them as a basis for Friday hall meetings or Monday meetings, et cetera, to talk about how you're feeling and why you feel that way. Just to add on to Julie's point. That's another great point. David, a quick one to you as we wrap this up. People may say, we made the pronouncements in June. Give us some time. It's only September. What is the time frame? Is it too soon to be expecting that there are some changes that have already taken place and some of these initiatives have already been put into action? What should be the timetable for an organization? How do you determine that? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I, I think it's not too soon to have seen concrete action. Some things take time. If you're going to change the uh, complexion of your workforce, you can't do that uh, overnight. Obviously, that's a, a, a process that takes years, but you ought to be able to do things if you're committed. And even if you found new commitments, you ought to be able to do things relatively quickly. One, A few things we've done recently since I came on board, we signed the Black Leaders uh, Network uh, pledge. We signed the anti-racism uh, pledge for CEOs. These are uh, very public uh, commitments to move the needle, and it's an agreement to hold ourselves uh, accountable to outside organizations and to standards, and there's no reason why uh, making those uh, types of commitments need to take a lot of time. And then I think you need to have, whether it's at your boardroom, from your employees, with outside groups, as you travel along the path, you need to have multiple 
point of accountability uh, to make sure that you're doing uh, what you said that you're doing. It's easy to speak up with dramatic statements. Right now, the streets are on fire. People are protesting. Uh, the videos are on the Internet. Um, we're at this moment where uh, people are feeling very deeply how important this is. The question is three months from now, six months from now, nine months from now, when it's off the news, when the streets are quiet, uh, when there are new news cycles and something else is urgent, are companies still doing the hard day-to-day -day work uh, to make progress? And to make sure that that's happened, I think it's going to need to be a full-scale engagement and everybody's going to have to participate. That was David Rawlinson, CEO of Nielsen Global Connect. He was joined by Julie Sweet, the CEO of Accenture, and Alex Liu, chairman of Carney, at CNBC's Inclusion in Action Forum on September 10th, 2020. Our thanks to all of them. The keynote is produced by the CNBC events team. For more information about upcoming CNBC events and how you can join us, visit cnbcevents.com. I'm Sharon Epperson. Thanks so much for listening. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.